You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 1258. You know, to make money, it takes courage. And courage is being able to act despite the fear that you feel. So it's like, if you feel fear, then you know that that's probably something that you have to at least like do, especially if it's something that you want to do. If you feel the fear to do it, then it's like something that you have to challenge yourself to do it. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. One of my favorite strategies for wholesaling real estate is one that is often overlooked because I think that there's a lot of mystery to it. I think there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to this type of real estate, but we're going to cut through all the fog. We're going to make sure that you understand how to go after these deals. And the best way to do that is to share the story of uh, an incredible wholesaler who lives in Houston, Texas. He's grew up in Maryland, but originally was born in Cameroon and immigrated here when he was nine. And it's an incredible story. And I think it's going to really show you the potential of going after these type of properties. And so I'd like to introduce uh, Kenny Camdoon to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Welcome, Kenny. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Brett. I'm super, super excited to be on. I'm doing great, feeling happy, feeling great. It's just it's a great day. Listen, the last couple of years, you've done 50 of these deals. And what we're talking about is vacant land, right? These are the type of deals that you like doing. Uh, some of them are smaller deals, but some of them are massive deals. And we'll certainly break all of that down. But what got you into real estate? What started you on this path, on this journey of being a real estate entrepreneur? That's a great question. You know, when I graduated high school, I didn't really know quite well what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to make money. I knew I wanted to make a lot of money. And so uh, I was going into like majors that um, will pay a lot, you know, such as like cardiologists, surgeons and all that good stuff. And while I was in school, I realized that, man, it's going to take a long time just to test six figures. And I was looking online and I was like, man, I see people already touching six figures right now. So I was just kind of looking at ways to like make money, looking at I was, you know, Googling like how to make, you know, a million dollars and all that good stuff. And I stumbled upon wholesaling. So I got like, I think I got targeted. I started upon wholesaling. I started like learning all about wholesaling, buying all these courses about wholesaling, trying to learn it. Uh, just mastered, like, just like to get the overall concept because somebody was telling me that I can make six figures in a year without having to go to school, without needing money, without needing, you know, like skills or expertise or any of that. So I was curious. And so I believed it because I seen them doing it. So I was like, well, I mean, if they can do it, I'm pretty sure that it's possible. So that's when I really started going, you know, full time into real estate. I even quit school because I figured like this was just this was the path that I was going to take. And, you know, there was just nothing else that I just really wanted to do. So that's why I quit school and went full time into, you know, entrepreneurship. I love it. 
You said that when you were in high school, you discovered that you wanted to make a lot of money. Why? Yeah. Why Why make a bunch of money? What's the point? You know what I mean? Like, why not just, you know, do just get a regular job and, you know, pay bills, live your life, do all those things. I mean, why not just do that? Because I figured that life, uh, that God, I, I believe in God. And I figured that, like, God wanted just more for me, you know, and that if I have dreams of achieving a lot, then that's pretty much kind of like what he meant to, for me to do in my life. And if I was, you know, to just not do it at the time, I was thinking, man, I don't want to look back at my life when I'm dying and say, I wish this is what I did, you know. And so that was kind of like just a powerful outlook that I took into consideration. And I put to myself that while I'm here, I'm just going to do everything that I want to do so that I don't leave this world without with any regrets. I love it. And so. You go and you do some research, you're Googling, you find some courses, you get in some people's funnels, you buy some stuff, you get the education. What's like the first thing you do? You know what I mean? Like, do you remember going back? Because you you had started in 2018 on this journey, and it really took you about like a year and a half to really start getting going. And then 2020, you go into this business full time, which is amazing. But what's the first thing that you do? You know what I mean? Like, how do you break out of the education loop? And maybe that'll help some people that are maybe stuck in that that are listening or watching. So I was sold on you always have to take action. You know, I was sold on, I think, uh, Cody or he's also part of Wholesaling Inc. And he says progress over perfection. Right. So I was sold. And I think it's, it's like take massive imperfect action. So I was sold on that. And I realized that, um, well, I mean, for me to really like to see if it worked for me, I have to actually do the work. You know, I have to take into action. So when I bought that first course, the course had like action steps that I needed to take. And so like every single time I would take those action steps, whether I had to create the LLC, I would do it. Whether I had to, you know, do any kind of marketing, I would do it free paid. I started at the free and I even started by like printing out these small like flyers that says that we buy houses and the bandit signs. And then I also had like on my car, I printed out this tag, this metallic tag that I can place on my car that says that I buy houses, you know, kind of just like to do any kind of like marketing that I could to get the deal. But to to answer your question overall, to just like for me to take action, I just realized that like nobody was going to do it for me. You know, I had to do it. I had to take the action. And then that's kind of what made me want to, you know, keep taking action. I love it. Did it work? Were you getting calls from the signs in your car and the bandit signs and the flyers that you were putting out? I definitely got calls from the bandit signs. So when I started in 2018, I was after I took that course, I literally like was taking action the whole time. So I was doing bandit signs and I was trying to do it like the cheapest way possible. Right. So bandit signs isn't that expensive. And then also cold calling wasn't that expensive. So I was doing like these two marketing strategies and they were working. I was getting leads. I was able to talk to people. But my main pain point was that I wasn't able to lock the deals on the contract. I wasn't able to get the motivation or like just have those conversations. I was like afraid to have these conversations with the seller, you know, afraid to because I figured, man, this house is worth so much. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to mess anything up. 
this and this? What if it's not a good deal? What if I end up getting on a contract and, you know, it doesn't sell? Like all of these like things were stopping me from actually, actually, you know, getting the property on the contract. And I think it didn't necessarily have to take me two years to do it. When I look back in hindsight, the only thing that really scared that really took me two years was because I didn't have the courage to actually like even put the property on the contract. And so I was always stuck on, oh, I just need to know. I just need to know more. I just need to learn more. And I even stopped like there was periods of time where I was getting so frustrated that I couldn't get, you know, a deal in the contract. And I was listening to Wholesaling Inc., the podcast, and I was seeing, listening to all these people. Somebody had a deal in like two months and I'm like, man, I'm already six months in. I bought, I'm already like $10,000 in debt because, you know, courses and mentorships and all that. And I don't have a deal. And then this guy has a deal in two months. And so it's like, it was frustrating, you know, Mm -hmm. but I ended up actually quitting because of that. And I was trying to like do other things, maybe like that'll give me the money faster. But it actually, when I really look back at it, I was like, man, I've already like put in so much work in real estate and learned so much already these past six months. If I just like hang it up and try something new, I'm pretty much going to have to like start the circle all over again. And it will just continue to loop. So that was kind of that was when I quit. That was like towards the end of 2019. And I quit. I was trying to do I ended up like doing like, you know, trying to do like Amazon FBA or something like that because oh, it's going to be, you know, easier. And so I actually bought the course and, you know, like I'm an action taker. So like when I set my mind to do something, I'm just going to take action and until I figure it out. Right. But while I started the Amazon FBA thing, I realized like, okay, if I do this, I have to also realize that it's probably not going to happen as quick as I think is going to happen. There's going to be another learning curve and it's going to be another probably six months, to eight months for me to really like start making money. So then what happened was COVID happened and COVID happened and like the world shut down. So I had already bought like the stuff that I wanted to order and everything. And they were pretty much like making it and it was supposed to be like on the way. And then when COVID happened, everything shut down and I ended up just realizing I'm like, man, you know, like this, just, this is probably like a reason for me to keep going in real estate. Right. So I took that as a reason for me to keep going in real estate. What at the order, I told him to cancel it and it was like three grand. And then I was like, all right, cancel it. They were like, all right, we're only going to give you half your money back. I said, all right, this is going to be an L that I'm going to take, but it's going to be worth it. Right. So I got back to 1500 and then I put it, I was like, you know, this is going to be an, I'm going to try real estate one more time. And so I put that money back into real estate and it was with that because I was doing cold calling and it was with that um, list of that batch that I cold call and, you know, that was cold calling that I actually ended up getting my first deal. So it was a pretty like tough journey, man, you know, full, full of ups and downs. And it was just incredible. I had to just find every single reason that I could to, to stay motivated, stay inspired and just stick it through. And it just worked out really well. 
So the second time around that you were marketing and calling property owners and getting to the point where you were negotiating with them, what changed from the first time? Because the first time it sounded like paralysis by analysis probably crept in and was really stopping you from, from being confident with your offers or putting the properties under contract. So what was different the second time? Was it just a lay down that gave you like a proof of concept and you're like, this is a no brainer? Or did you run it by somebody? Did you have somebody that you could bounce it off of to make sure it was a real deal? Because this is common, Kenny. I mean, I think that you're speaking with so much truth and so much commonality to a lot of people that are starting out because, yeah, okay, well, it's okay if they tell me no. The scary part is when they tell me, yes, I do want to sell my property. Then what do I do? I don't want to screw this up. I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to feel like I'm being fake. I don't want to have imposter syndrome. I don't want you know to go through this whole process and, and not be able to really be of service to these property owners. So what changed to get your first deal done? So what changed was like in between the year of 2019, I actually went into sales. So I figured that like sales would be one of the skills that I would need to actually, you know, better myself and just being able to, you know, sell things. So I figured that was what I was lacking. So I went into sales and I was selling cars and I mastered my sales skills because I rose to the top 3% of car salesmen at the dealership that I was at. So I realized like, man, if anything, like I'm able to help people get what they want. You know, that's kind of what sales taught me. And it taught me the right communication styles, the way that I can convey myself to people to get them to trust me, to get them to understand that what I'm trying to do. So the second time around, I had that kind of skill set. How it happened was I cold called the guy. It was like an older gentleman. And I was actually in my office where I was selling the cars because I was like, working and then also doing real estate in my office. So I was cold calling the dude and I called him and I was calling him about a house that he owned. And he said that, oh, no, nah, he's not interested in selling that one. And then I was like, oh, OK, well, do you have any other like properties that, you know, you might be just interested in getting rid of? Doesn't matter. Just let me know. And he was like, well, I don't know if you buy these, but I have this piece of land that I'm looking to get rid of. And once he like told me that he was like looking to get rid of, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's the motivational language, you know, that like, you know, so I took it like, I was like, man, this guy's really motivated. And then I asked him, I was like, well, why are you looking to get rid of it? And he told me like the story of, you know, he has some, his wife has some issues and then just need the money and he hasn't used the land. He hasn't even been to the land since he owned it. So I was like, well, I guess, you know, what would you be looking to sell it for? At this time, I didn't even know like what to ask the questions about the land. I wasn't looking into land. I was looking straight into houses. So I didn't know anything about land and what I needed to know. And so I was just asking him, like, I just asked him, well, what is he looking to get for it? And he kept on saying, make me an offer, make me an offer, make me an offer. And I didn't know what offer to make him. So I told him I'd give him a call back. And so I went into like research mode. I was like, oh, what do I need to know before buying land and all of that good stuff? And like I was just researching everything that I need to know about land. And I think I've seen this one video, this guy, he was like, if you're going to buy land, just make sure that it's like very, very cheap. He was like, offer like 10% of what the regular price is. And I was like, damn, 10%, yep. that's kind of that's low. So I went back to the seller 
And I was like, I offered like, I think it was like half of the assessed value. So it was like assessed at like 80. Oh no, it was assessed around like 80. I think I offered like 30, you know? And he like immediately accepted it. But I was like, oh man, like this is like, he accepted my offer. Like, what, what do I do? Is it like, you know, that was like when I was kind of like worried. Like even after he accepted it, I was like still thinking like, man, like, is this a good deal? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was still like questioning the deal and what to do even after because I don't have any land buyers. So I just said, I just decided, you know, say, hey, screw it. I'm going to just get on the contract and at least try to do what I need to do to sell the property. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to sell it. And I put my mind on that. And so I put it under contract and I went to my contacts that I talked to when I was in real estate who were like home buyers. I sent it out to all of them. Um, a couple of them were interested, but then they reached out to me. They're like, oh, it's kind of like non-buildable because of, like you need to meet certain building requirements in that area. So I just figured that, oh, OK, well, this is just useless land. But then there was like this one dude who reached out to me and he said that because uh, I put it on Facebook Marketplace and he reached out to me and he was like, hey, he's interested I had it on a contract for 33 and he said that at 25, he would, I think, you know, he said at 27, he would buy it. And so I said, well, okay, I don't know if that's going to work, but I'm going to go back to the seller. I'm going to see, you know, if that's something that we can make happen. So I went back to the seller and I told him, Hey, look, if we can do 25, cause I told him that the land was not buildable. Like I thought it was, but you know, my buyer said that if we can be at 25, then we can make it work. And he said, okay, sure. Well, he said, I'm gonna talk to my wife. And I was like, okay, let me know. And then he came back and he said, okay, we'll accept your offer. And I was like, excited. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, he accepted my offer. And so I was like, okay, so I got him the contract and the buyer was at 27, but I, I tried to see if he can do a little bit more. He went up $500 more. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. And so I locked it up for five with the buyer and then put it at the title company. And, you know, they like to close the deal and I got 2500 I love it. First deal, victory First deal. bell. Here we go. Come on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, and that's, listen, that's when everything changes, right? That's when yeah. you get that proof of concept. You know, I, I truly believe there's five steps to building a million dollar because this is what you said, you know, at the beginning of the show, how to make a million dollars. That's how you Google it. This is this is it. Number one, find your tribe, right? Find people that are doing amazing things that are you're naturally pulled to and you have some excitement and you have some passion for, right? And that passion will eventually turn into conviction, but there's got to be a spark there. There's got to be a reason that you do that business. Number two, follow a model. Don't just go out there and reinvent it. That's where you're doing your research. You're following what model you want to go with. Number three is you get the proof of concept. You actually earn some income. You bring in out of thin air some income from your effort in this business. And that is such a key milestone in this business. Four is just staying focused so that you can build consistency so that you can get into this business full time. And then five, become a magnet, become a magnet for really top quality talent that will help build out your business. But that third part, I'm telling you that proof of concept is so absolutely critical. I love it. And then after that, look at you after that, now you've done 50 deals, you're doing deals all the time and you just close the biggest deal that you've ever closed. Is that right? Yeah. 
I closed my biggest deal. So let's I talk made... about this one. Okay. No, let's no, no. Talk Don't about tell us what one. you made. So let's <laughs> let's let's build the story here, brick by brick. So first of all, when did you close this big deal? I've recently closed this big deal like last month, the end of last month. Last month. Perfect. And uh, when was the first time you talked to the property owner on this? And it's a piece of land, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a piece of land. The first time I talked, so I ended up sending some direct mail to this owner, right? And the first I'm time I talked, I, I, I really, I really want to put you in a hot seat here so that people can follow this roadmap. So where did you find this property? You're not just going to send mail to every property owner. Where specifically did you find this list that you sent direct mail to the property owner? What'd you send? Did you send a postcard? Did you send a letter? Like really break it down. So I target specifically vacant land. And so it's, it'll be like vacant land in a specific county and any owner who owns land in that county. And I'll have like a certain criteria of the type of land that I'm looking for. It'll be a quarter acre all the way up to like 20 acres, you know, in that specific county. So I targeted this guy and he responded to. So I found him on PropStream. That's where I got my list. And then I sent those owners the mail and he responded to my mail. And I think that was like in 2021. 2021. Awesome. So you get a list from PropStream, vacant land between a quarter acre and 20 acres. And do you put length of ownership? Do you want them to own these properties for a while? Do they have to Mm -hmm. be zoned anything specific, residential, commercial, industrial, agriculture? What, What are they zoned and length of ownership? So yeah, residential, I target residential only. And um, length of ownership, when you start, I would definitely say go at least five years or more. If it's like 10 years or more and you still have like a big list, I would say that'd be even better because like the longer they own it, the more motivated they are to sell it because like most people who own land don't even use it, you know, or they inherit the land they don't, you know. So the longer they own the land, the better when you start, as long as, you know, the list is still pretty good. So I will at least target people. And my list has to be at least 2000 records, 2000 records or more. And so once it matches that, I go ahead and I put, I send them direct mail and, you know, Postcard, it's a letter. What do you send? It's going to be just a letter and pretty much it's going to say, Hey, I see this is a piece of property that you may own. We're an investment firm that focuses on just buying raw land. If you're interested in selling the property, give me a call and here's my number, right? And that's just pretty much what the letter says. What company do you use to send your mail? So at the beginning, I was using like, I think I would use IT mail, LPG mail or something like that. And then now I use my postcard mania. And they've been the one that I've been using for a long time. But for them, it's only My better if you mania. Awesome. Yeah, it's good for them if you're sending like bulk mail because they'll give you like a discount on the mail. So I will buy like 10,000 records at a time thinking that, oh, if I send a thousand records every single month, that's, you know, 10 months right there that I'm buying. And so they sent out the mail and the dude responded to me. And it was actually about a different parcel of land that he responded to. And so we ended up doing some business on that piece of land. So by the time that he reached out to me, I had already wholesaled a couple. And so my wholesaling is pretty much just, I was just building on that money. Like I wasn't touching it. I was just putting all into the business, right? 
So when he reached out to me, I made an offer on the piece of land that he owned in another county and took him a little bit long to accept that offer, but he ended up accepting it. And so what happened was when he accepted the offer and he said that I had to close it, close on it personally, and that I couldn't wholesale it, I told him, okay, well, that's fine because I have the money in my account anyways. It was like, what, $30,000, $40,000. That was what the land was worth. And I had that yep. in my account. And so I ended up just like saying, you know what, screw it. Because I didn't really know too much about land either. Even though I was wholesaling at this point, I still wholesale a couple, but I really didn't fully understand land. And so like there was still some questions that I had about the property, but I was looking at the market and I realized that like, man, this is no way that I could lose on this deal, even if I buy it without knowing anything, because I can just literally put it right back on the market at the price that I bought it for and somebody will buy it like that. So that was kind of like how I made sense of the deal. There's this thing called like the replacement cost. You know, you can't replace that, you know, land at that price anymore. So I bought the land and I ended up reselling it. So I bought it for 40 and I ended up reselling it a month later for $80,000 and I sold it. And it was like, that was like a deal. Well, I sold that land on owner financing, actually. So what I did was I bought it for $40,000, sold it for 80000 I told the seller, give me $40,000 so that I can at least have my money back. And I'll finance the buyer. Yeah, the buyer to give me the $40,000 down as a down payment. And I'll finance the rest for like 7% interest for five years. And they were okay with it. So I was like, well, that's great first. I already get my money back. So I have no money in the deal. And then I earned, you know, interest on the money that I already made. So that was a great deal. So then. A couple months later, boom, boom, things go by. I send mail to another county, you know, same criteria, right? Send mail to another county, same criteria, residential. This time, actually, I didn't put a limit on the acreage. So it was only residential, length of ownership, 10 years or more. And then I think I put a limit on the assessed value, though. I put the assessed value not more than 300000 When you say assessed value, who assesses that value? The county, the tax assessed value. Yeah. So it's like every county has like what they think the property is worth. So I would say, you know, the tax assessed value, no more than 300. And so I sent that letter and he called me. He said, hey, are you interested in this parcel of land? And I was like, yeah. And he said, do you know it's like 200 acres? And I was like, oh, it's 200 acres. Like it was that's a lot, you know. So I was like, uh, yeah, 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 I'll be interested. You know, like I always maintain interest. I was like, yeah, of course I'll be interested. Love, you know what I'm saying? We already did business. I'd love to do business with you again. And then we went into it. And I was like, well, how much are you looking to sell the property for? And he said he will be willing to sell for 300000 And I was like, bro, even at this price, it's already a deal. So I was like, I was already getting excited. I was like, oh man, okay, okay, okay. But where am I even going to get the money to get to buy this property, right? So what I did was I heard like, like even though they give you a price and it's a good deal, still try to negotiate so that they don't feel like they're letting the property go. So I, I came back and I was like, well, I can do 250. And he said, I can't go any lower than 270, right? So I knocked it down, you know, 30 more thousand. So I said, well, if we can do that, you know, how soon are you looking to sell it? He said, well, give me a couple, give me some time. I have to get some things together. 
I don't know if he had to like figure out taxes or whatever he needed to figure out. But mm-hmm. around the time that we're having this conversation, it was like June, July last year. Right. So he told me, give me a couple of times. So I've been following up with him for a couple of months, every single month or every single two weeks. I'll be reaching out to him. I'm like, hey, are we still good to go? Is there any questions? Like, you know, where are we on this deal? Just like these little follow ups like that. And he said, meet me at the property. So real quick, Kenny, he wanted 270. Did you give him an offer and he just didn't accept it yet? No, he wanted 300 at first. I offered 250 and he came back at 270. And did you get a contract then under? Did you put it under contract at 270? I told him, well, if we can do that, you know, you know, how soon is he willing to move forward? And so that's when he wanted to, you know, take his time. But that's ultimately what Got it. I, well, that's ultimately what I ended up getting a contract for, though, you know. So finally, the beginning of, the, of this year, I reach out to him. I'm saying, hey, well, how are we looking like on this deal? He says, OK, in two weeks, we should be good to go. So I'm already getting excited. I'm like two weeks. We're going to get this contract. And I'm already like doing the math. Like I'm looking at comps in the area, talking to my realtor, saying, hey, is this going to work? I'm talking to another realtor. Hey, what, what do you think is good? this is going to sell for? Because it's a big parcel. And I wanted to get my like numbers dialed to the T. And like every single math equation that I did, I knew that I could at least sell the property for worst case scenario, $400,000, right? And we're already at like 270. So I was like, man, worst case scenario, I'm at least making six figures on this deal. So I ended up getting the property under contract and put my earnest money deposit so that, you know, everything, he knows that things are serious. And I take my contract and I go to my realtor. I said, hey, could we sell it for this price? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like he he was just like way confident about it. So I was like, oh, well, OK. So I have it on a contract with the seller. I give my realtor, you know, the property. I'm saying, hey, if you can find a buyer for me for 450, we'll be good to go. We'll settle on this. No problem. Well, from day one that I got the contract with the seller on the uh, day 15, my realtor already had the buyer. The buyer came at, uh, he offered 440. And I was like, well, no, I mean, if he's already that close to my asking price, this is like a piece of land that doesn't really come often. So tell him, you know, 450, we'll, we'll get to go. And so my realtor says, okay, I'll try to do that. My realtor comes back the next day. He says, we're good to go at 450. And I'm like super excited, like I'm happy, you know. So we go ahead and we sign a contract, like an A to B. I have the contract with the seller and then I have a contract with the buyer. And I realized that I can't assign this contract, even though like I didn't have to like put money in it. I can't assign it because it's just the assignment fee is just way too big. So I ended up actually double closing on the property and, you know, we sold on the deal and everything went great. And um, we actually ended up making $149,000 on the property, 60, $60 away from $150,000, actually, on that deal. It was hundred and I'm going to round it up. I'm going to round it up to $150,000. How much of that did you have to give to the agent? Just their commission? Well, yeah, I had to give because I had to give the commission. I had to do the double close fee. And I had there was like some like other expenses that I incurred. So I think overall, I probably gave away like 50 
or something like that. And so net net bottom line, what came to you? What went to your account? Oh, 150. Oh, that was your net. That was after That's all the these net expenses. for you. Yeah, that was after oh, everything. Oh, Kenny, come on now. Come on. <laughs> How did that feel? Oh, Brent, it's unbelievable. Like, I still wake up today in disbelief. I'm like, I look at my bank account. I'm like, man, it's still there. Like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. It's amazing from one conversation with a property owner. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of this business. This is why when people Google, you know, how to make a million dollars, how to become wealthy, how to be rich, how to how to start a business, real estate keeps popping up because you're one conversation away from an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. And it's probably not going to happen in your first year. It probably won't happen in your second year. But as you start recognizing potential, that's the levels to this game. That's what's so exciting about this game is no matter how long you're in it, there's always going to be a level higher that you can grow to. And growth is really what fulfillment's all about. I mean, we can have achievements and that's fantastic. We can get those checks and we can get them into our account and it changes our life and it changes our brain and everything is great. But just the knowing that real estate is the vehicle that we can constantly challenge and grow ourselves in is just unbelievable. And you just knocked it up to a different level. Then no way you could have closed that deal in your first year. No way you could have done it when you had the fear of, of, of making the offer and the fear of negotiating and, and didn't really have the experience that you have now. And the fact $150,000 net, net bottom line, Kenny, Yo. that is, uh, I'm so happy for you. I am so unbelievably happy for you. That is, I mean, that's incredible. It's so inspiring. It's so it's just, I, I'm just telling you that this business is the best. And those type of deals just, it just shows you the potential of being really good at this and building the skills of communication and the skills of valuing properties, the skills of building a network of people that can recognize a deal and say, oh yeah, yeah, I've got some buyers for that. Or I am the buyer for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. $150,000, dude. Incredible. So, so what now, Kenny? I mean, you know, all these deals that you've done are land. Are you going to keep doing this, keep pouring it on, keep expanding the business? What does it look like? Yeah, because I wanted to also touch base on what you meant by when you said, you know, specializing in growth. The thing is that, like, for me, I never thought that I would be in land when I started trying to wholesale houses. I never even thought, like, land was, like, a thing, you know? And I didn't think that people, yep. you can make a good amount of money, like, wholesaling land. I never knew that. It wasn't until, like, I actually did my first deal that I was like, okay, well, there are people out there buying land, you know, and there are people who will buy land, even if it's not buildable, there are people who will buy land for just like various reasons. You know, the biggest deal that I've ever made, well, that was the biggest deal I've ever made, but I also made another deal where the land was not buildable and there were still people buying it. So it's like the more, you know, about like a specific subject and the no- the more, you know, about like that area of expertise, and the great thing about land or real estate overall is that like you can definitely grow. So at first my checks were like two, three thousand dollars. And it wasn't until I started like expanding my my know-how that I started increasing my the amount of money that I made per check. Cause I realized that, well, why would I sell the land for this amount when I know it's worth, you know, this amount? Because at the beginning I didn't know it was actually worth this amount. So that's why I was selling it for a lower price. 
But the more you know, like the more you realize the value and you, you know, start asking more of that value because, you know, of the opportunity that you're bringing on the marketplace. But, you know, for now, it's like the way that I like to operate is I like to always operate because like sometimes in real estate, you know, deals don't always go as you plan it. So I like to overproduce so that like if there's some deals that, you know, underperform, I'm still okay. So I have like maybe like 10 deals on the contract right now that are set to close in the next, you know, 60 days. And so once those deal closes, I'm pretty much going on on some trips, going on vacation a little bit. I'm going to go to Greece and Cameroon. And then when I come back, I'm trying to now take the business to the next level. Absolutely incredible. How old are you, Kenny? I'm 26. 26 years old. I mean, by the time you're 30, your business is going to be bananas. It's going to be absolutely bananas. And I mean, wow, the momentum is with you, brother. How can people get a hold of you? If people want to reach out to you and they want to connect with you or they want to learn more about land and what you do, or they just, you know, they really connect with you. Maybe they immigrated to this country as well, or maybe they're, they're from Maryland or Cameroon, or they just want to be in your world. How do they connect with you? For my younger folks, hit me on Instagram. You know, Kenny Camdoon, you know, I'm on Instagram. For my older people, hit me on Facebook. Whoever got Facebook or Instagram, it's the same tag, Kenny Camdoon. I also have a YouTube that I upload videos on there. So you can find me on YouTube as well. It's called Kenny Camdoon. <laughs> so I try to keep it like, you know, the same for all, you know, all the channels. So you guys can always find me on my social medias. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes for sure. Kenny, absolutely incredible. Give everybody that's just starting out some advice on what they should do to take action first. To take action first, I will say that, you know, to make money, it takes courage. And courage is being able to act despite the fear that you feel. So it's like, if you feel fear, then you know that that's probably something that you have to at least like do, especially if it's something that you want to do, if you feel the fear to do it, then it's like something that you have to challenge yourself to do it. So like the earlier you start challenging yourself to take action, despite the fear, the better, because then you start, you know, um, building that muscle and it's just going to continue on the momentum. That's really what my, my number one advice will be. And it will also be like, if you see other people succeeding and you're trying to succeed and you know that you're doing everything you, you can to you know, make things work. Don't be discouraged because you aren't successful already. You know, you just like continue to stay on your path, continue to learn, continue to better yourself and continue to take action. And, you know, as you do it, continue to try to figure things out. As you do that, your time is definitely just going to come. Time will come for sure. Kenny, absolutely incredible. Kenny Camp doing everybody. Thank you for being on here. Make sure that you connect with them. And if you're interested in joining the most proactive tribe in real estate investing, the Rhino Tribe, go to wholesalinginc.com. Wholesalinginc.com. Check out what it is all about. If it feels good in your gut, then make sure that you sign up for a call. And we look forward to working with you and bringing you into the Rhino Tribe. And that's it for this podcast. Absolutely incredible. $150,000 from one conversation and a relationship that blossomed over time. It happens every single minute of every single hour of every single day, every year. 
every day. I'm telling you, these deals are happening all the time. We just have to go out there and we got to find them. So as I, I will sign off with this podcast, I, as I always do, encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Till next time, guys. Love you. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.